0: Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Okay, let's pray and then we'll, we'll get to work. We'll... Trust. Oh, thanks, man. Now I'm set. Father, we love you, God. Thank you for the time that we've had together this week, and Lord, again, just ask that in all that you would be glorified, uh, Lord. Where we need it, uh, redirect us, God. Where we need it, we're just asking for encouragement, God. We ask that that the the week. Would be used to further the equipping of us as your children to be workers in the kingdom uh, that we'd be truly furnished and and so Lord help us this morning to to learn uh, to grow in our understanding and our capacity and again, Lord, you know that I have the the ability to just confuse everyone and 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 so Lord, we're just trusting that your word and the power of your Holy Spirit uh, will inform and change our lives for your glory, and uh, Lord, we trust you for all of that, in Jesus' name, amen. So, yesterday we were just doing an overview, or for for, for many a review of, of you know, just a, a big picture look at what's in biblical counseling, and we talked about the fact that that You know, man, where does he come from? He comes from Eden, and he loses that perfect relationship, that perfect provision. Uh, He doesn't have what he's designed to have, and so he's looking, right? He's trying to get back to Eden, and he's not able, and everything that he does to try to find that perfect relationship, that perfect provision, it just ends up making a mess of his life. It's by his fallen nature that He's responding to his perceived need, and because it's a fallen nature, it's it's just making a bigger and bigger mess, and so he stays unhappy, he gets empty, and typically, um, you know, best case scenario, it's an empty life, typically what will happen is it's a destroyed life, uh, the, the marriages are wrecked, the children are wrecked, I mean, it's just... He doesn't know how to get back to Eden. It's just a mess. We talked about the fact that the problems will break down into typically three areas. Uh, I, I think this describes it really well. They're either physical problems, demonic problems, or spiritual issues. Um, there are many things, many problems that that people have that a medical doctor is going to be a great thing. Physician Luke needs to find out why are you having having these. Emotional problems, what's going on with you? And then you find out they're not sleeping. They're not exercising. All they're eating are are, are Krispy Kreme and Daylight Donuts. And and somehow that's going to all work out for them. That and pizza and Coca-Cola. It's just the, the, you know, Satan's a counterfeiter, man. There's the Lord's table. And then there's the devil's table. Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme, Pizza Hut, Coca-Cola. I said that in Georgia. I know. I know exactly what you're thinking. You can't say that in Georgia. So, so you know, some for some, people, they just need to listen to the American Medical Association and and buy a pair of sneakers and and go for walks. You know, they <laughs> need to get those get those training hours in, and, and uh, that'll 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 solve a lot. They'll sleep better. They'll okay. So, but there there can be there can be chemical imbalances, and that'll show up on a blood panel some people they made they 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 made place they gave place to the devil they violated Ephesians 427 and and uh and now you know they've got they've got they've got demonic influences trying to warp their perception and and uh and so that that these are all correctable spiritual problems okay so this is this is typically typically will fall under the heading of there is a way Right? There's this way that seemeth right to a man. He's going away according to his own, he's leaning to his own understanding. And and it seemed like a good idea at the time, because my wife came at me like a spider monkey, and and I thought it was a good idea to shut that down and show her what's what. And and so you didn't respond in the spirit, it was the flesh. And and, uh, Lord help you. Okay, so so, so this this cycle of craziness is taking place in your marriage. You know, she's not feeling the love of Christ. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Well, how would she know? She's never seen it in you. You know, and and then she doesn't want to be your friend. You're not feeling reverence. You're not feeling. You're not feeling like your wife views you the way that she should. And so now you're offended and. And uh, you've you've got a spiritual problem because you don't understand what the Word of God says over your life, and so you're not walking in the Spirit, you're walking in the flesh, and so you're getting the fruit of the flesh. And Galatians tells you very clearly what that's going to be. So we talked about the root of our spiritual problems. We're dead in Adam, and so living Adam's way is going to get Adam's results. It's not the result of some emotional or mental illness. Your brain cannot catch a virus that causes you to be depressed. Now, again, the exception in terms of of physical structures in the brain that can cause depression, that would be the exception that would prove the rule. Again, that's in the, the arena now of medical help. What we need is a renewed mind. So we talked about the fact that the Bible is the only textbook that God has given us for the transformation of human personality. And then we talked about the fact that God gives us a threefold delivery strategy for people to get this renewed mind. Uh, We talked about the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God who gives us the desire to change, the ability to change. He is the one that actually gives the ability for the light of God's Word to break through our, our thick melon and get into our heart. Okay, then we talked about the Word of God itself and how We're going to use it in the lives of people. And it really comes down to a faith-based position. Are we going to have the heart of a child? Are we going to just believe that God is right, that God has all of the answers, and we're going to let the sword do the work? If I can talk you into a way of living between the world, your fallen flesh, and its devil God, somehow they're going to conspire to talk you out of living that way because you have rights and you're a big deal and you matter a lot. Uh, We have to walk in the Spirit. Okay, So this brings us to this morning, we're looking at the local church. This is the third thing that God gives us. Okay, So if, if Christ is here, body, soul, spirit, and he, and he goes to the Father and, and he makes the promise of the Spirit, well, we have the Spirit of Christ, and, and, um, and, and, and now we have the mind of Christ, we have the Word of Christ, but we've also got the body of Christ. And uh, it's, it's awesome, the body of Christ, the people of God. So our goal, right, is how do we see the church as being this wonderful thing that God's provided to help people, uh, to counsel people, to see people help with their emotional and spiritual problems? Well, God gave us the church, Ephesians four, and uh, you, for sake of time, we're not gonna we're not gonna drill down a lot here in Ephesians four, but but Ephesians four thirteen tells you why you have your local church. God wants you to be all in unity, right? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, the goal for God, for all of His children, is for all of us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so that's why in counseling, one of the first things that we do is we find out whether or not they're in Christ. Where are you at in terms of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ? It, doesn't, it does me no good to give people biblical counsel when they don't know the God of the Bible, when they've never submitted their life to Christ, and so I, I want to discern: Do they actually know the Lord? Uh, do they have? A, are they saved or lost? Do they have a walk with God? Are they endeavoring or are they backsliding? So, you, so you want to you want to you want to ascertain that as quickly as possible. Let's let's talk about where you're at with the Lord. Let's talk about your walk with Christ, because that's the function, right? That The the, the local church functions to enable that. Uh, My walk with Christ, if I'm not walking um, right with Christ in the context of my local church, well, I'm not walking right with Christ. We're called in verses one through four to walk worthy of our vocation. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. And this is written to the church. You have a vocation. And what is that? Well, it's not to be a psychologist or a counselor. That's not your primary call. It's to be a Christian. That's what God has called you to be. It's our calling. You know that, 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 That's the way this word is translated in other places in your King James Bible. In Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of our understanding are to be enlightened, the word says, that, we, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. His vocation, the, the, the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Second Timothy 1 verse 9, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy vocation, a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we, we have a, a, a walk together in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a foundation that's given to the church, verses 4 through 6. There's a provision given to the church in verses 7 through 11. And then there's a structure. God gave some pastors, right? He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? So that the church can be mature for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave officers, he gave these these elder functions in the local church so that everybody knows what the Bible says and what the lines are for ministry uh, so that we can fulfill our vocation. Every member God's designed, every member to be a minister, every member can learn the word of God and come to a place where they're competent to counsel. He gave us a structure. He also gave us a goal. Again, what's the goal? Uh, we, we led with this. It's Ephesians four thirteen. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we need to be conformed to the image of Christ so we won't be conformed to the world. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Because there are deceivers out there trying to toss God's people to and fro and teach them false doctrine. They're out there in cunning craftiness, lying in wait to deceive. So how do we counteract that? Well, with good counsel. Verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, into Christ in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Man, if we just did that, become come in the unity of the faith, Except some people. They don't know how to do that. They need answers. They need, they need coaching. They need training. How do they come into the unity? Well, we've got to give them the answers because without that unity, there's going to be dysfunction in the church. And you go back to verses 3 and 4 and the gifting, right? Where's the validity of the gifting? So the goal is to see every member in the Word of God, right, being renewed in their mind, being conformed to the image of Christ, that they would have the mind of Christ, the knowledge of Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16, this is why we have a Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you. Which mind? The mind of Christ, which was also in Christ Jesus. The goal of Christ is for the goal of God is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that should be our goal, right? I want to see Jesus in you. <laughs> I, I I want I, I want to hear you. when you when you speak, it's just like the Bible pours out of your heart, your mind. It, come, it just keeps coming out of your mouth. I keep seeing it in your actions, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, Yo, I know who you remind me of. <laughs> you remind me of Christ. That should be our goal for one another. That kind of changes how we relate to one another, doesn't it? The way we're wired in the flesh is we see error or we see problems and we immediately despise people. And and for you to despise somebody that Christ bled to buy is pretty arrogant. Um, It's a game changer. Christ's goal, God's goal is that everybody you know in the church is to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that should be our passionate goal. Colossians, verse one or chapter 1, verse 27. The goal is the knowledge of Christ, a mature man, a perfect man, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present who? Every man, well, you don't understand. That dude's a jerk, and I wish he could just go away. Go talk to him. Teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present, here it is, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Where are you going to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus? Where do you think that's going to happen? So we're at the judgment seat of Christ. And Joe McKeggs getting a chewing. because there's this like this gaping hole in his walk with Christ, and like a lot of people see it, Joe doesn't see it. It's like COVID, you know. It's like COVID. You got that COVID nose, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, "I have arrived. Um, my gas doesn't stink." It's amazing. I like there's no smell. Mike, I'm, I'm a Superman, which now automatically I know I can get away with it. I can do it in church because it doesn't sneak. As long as you don't hear it, it never happened. What's the problem? I'm obviously the problem. Everybody knows I'm the problem. I'm the only one that under- understands. I'm the problem. You know, I don't have the ability to see my error. I don't have I don't have the I don't have the mechanism in place to see it. What needs to happen? I need some coaching. Um Miles, I got I, I just got to tell you. You're not coming across the way you think you're coming across. <laughs> you're not you're not doing as well as you think you are and 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 really I just got to clue you in, bro. You gotta stop tooting in church. It's not cool. You're, I sat behind you. You are killing me. <laughs> so here's Joe McKeag, and he's at the Judgment Seat of Christ. And his whole life, he was just stinking up people in this one area, man. It was just he was make, making a mess. But he can't smell it. He can't see it. He doesn't know it. But I saw it, and I saw it. And it's like, man, Joe could be so valuable for the kingdom. I mean, he is so valuable for the kingdom, but. But here's this one thing where he just doesn't see that people can't see Christ coming out of him in this area of his life. But I don't want to offend Joe and I'm a big giant wussy. I hate conflict and and uh, I'm afraid Joe might be offended if I'm if, well I'd to come to him as a brother and say, Man, I love you and I'd have fall over myself going for his heart and to say, Hey, I just the Bible says this, but 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 it seems like what's happening is that and And, uh, man, if you want, we can talk about it. I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. Uh, I know this. Uh, In my early days in the pastorate, when I knew I had to have hard conversations, I'd get so knotted up, you know, it would be very difficult to have hard conversations. Uh, And then I became a parent. And I realized that... uh, I can have hard conversations with my children, not because they're littler and weaker than me, okay if you're parenting and you're okay with having hard conversations because you know and we and we all say that we all make these jokes, you know I'm bigger than you, that's why you're gonna do it <laughs> you know? and uh and you know that's fun, and that's funny, but if that's actually how it runs, they'll be bigger someday. I remember the day I told my dad. You can try it, but I promise you, you're going to go to the hospital. You see the problem? I can go to my kid and I can have a hard conversation and we're actually talking because I have that kid's heart and he and, and my kids know it's not it's not in me to make them miserable that's the last thing i want i am only for them i want them to do better than me right i love them and if they're not doing well i'm not doing well and when your kids see that you are desperate for their heart i can't tell you how many times i've told my kids all i want is for you to be a mighty man of God. All I want is for you to be a mighty woman of God. But I can't want that for you. And you see what you're doing here? And it's just, it's breaking my heart. <laughs> you see what you're doing here? Right now, I know you're six, <laughs> but you are deciding, right now you are deciding what kind of man or woman you're gonna be. And my kids, you know, the tears well up in their eyes. Dad, I want to be a mighty man of God. I want to be a mind God. How do I do that? Well, touchdown. I mean, I've got my kid's heart. And I can have hard conversations. If I'm coming at you like a spider monkey to put you in your place, guess what? I'm provoking your flight or fight. Your You've got a flight or fight mechanism. And most of the dudes are wired for fight. <laughs> That's just... And then others who don't like confrontation, they'll just like, ah, you know. And they're just walking away. <laughs> but when my brother knows that I just love them and I want this to all work out because I want you to rejoice in every area, in every capacity, I want you rejoicing at the judgment seat of Christ. See, if God looks over at me and says, you saw what was going on with Joe and you, you big giant chicken, Or you despiser of your brother, that we may present who? Every man. Perfect. Well, this guy's an idiot. He should just reap the fruit of being an idiot. You know? And I get it. Some people you can't you just can't talk to them. I get that. Well then then let's pray. How about that? (laughs) Let's 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 pray. Let's call on the Lord. Let's trust God just like just like we would for. For the lost, I mean, if we can pray for open doors for the lost we ought to we ought to be able to trust God for an opportunity to go help our brother be conformed to the image of the lord jesus christ it's um you know and then it gets even more complex you know Joe's in another church, I'm in another church, you know we're all local church people and and um and yet there's a fellowship and and um It says every man. That we may present every man perfect. Um, I got to work it out with Joe. Even if it's hard work. And even if Joe hacked me off and I don't like him much. I, Joe's got to win or I don't win. That we may present who? It says every sorry. You might want to throw your brother away, but you're breaking your father's heart. Where was I? Oh yeah, Colossians 1. It says every man perfect in Christ Jesus were who also labor, striving according to his working. Sometimes it's going to be Tough, sometimes it's going to be rough and tumble. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Galatians 4.19, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ formed in you. You see, man, God's people are worth it and there's such a mess and they're so aggravating and you're you're suspicious of the motives and the intents and the activities and the actions and uh they're worth it. Man, I wasn't going to be emotional today. Um so so just for disclosure um my wife has breast cancer and um I thought we were like only rejoicing because what the the protocol that we're on is a is a um, statistically it's a cure. Like we're so grateful to the Lord. Like she I mean there's always a chance but 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 she should be recovered. And uh, so I'm thinking I'm only rejoicing. So on the first day I'm gonna quote my wife in the first lecture, and I'm thinking it's really smart, it's really brilliant, and it's super cute. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna brag on my wife, and and uh, and I start reading her quote, and then it's like, why am I crying? <laughs> uh, you know, you just you gotta process grief, and you know, it's uh. So the idea of losing her is like I can't even think about that. Um, And this is a this is a hard topic because you know a lot of people in our camp get mischaracterized. Um, we get we get stereotyped, you know, you're a bad pastor because all you do is tell people to read their Bible and pray. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> but at the same time, that's a mischaracterization of what we do, and we're gonna talk about that at the conclusion of this session. Uh, how we how we get people to approach the reading of their bible and and their prayer life before the lord um so i don't you know i don't I'm not intentionally coming to Georgia (laughs) to act like a grown baby. Uh, You can look at mbtkc.org and check out any of the messages. I don't do this. I don't know what's going on. It's, uh, Lord, help me. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Man, if we just had churches full of people that all we cared about is that people would be conformed to the image of Christ and they were willing to travail, no wonder the world's going to hell in a handbasket. That we henceforth, right, that we'd be no more children, wavering, unstable. Why? Because unstable, right? Double minded men are unstable in all their ways, James 1 8. Tossed to and fro, they're not anchored right? There's new teaching coming with the internet. The proliferation of false teaching is just through the roof. It's increasing on a logarithmic logarithmic scale, you know? It's the slight of men, the cunning craftiness. They're lying in wait to deceive. They're like magicians, and people fall for it. But growing up in Christ, maturing in their faith, following the truth, and it's not like in Colossians two 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And there's a lot of that going around under the, under the banner of mental health. Through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Man is a spiritual being, and he needs spiritual help. And we have a spiritual book, and in it are the words of life. So the result, right, if we recognize what we have to help people with their problems, we have the greatest holistic approach and environment possible for helping people. Um, what we have in the Spirit, if they're born again, we've got a man on the inside, and oh, he's, God is at work in his people. But what he uses are the Word of God and the people of God. Right in the power of god's spirit to see transformation take take place in the lives of people, so that that's our tool set that's the environment that's the holistic uh counseling environment that we want to get people established in. Um, we don't have time to walk through this, but I wanted to include the principles that we give people in the counseling class there are there are guidelines that help to help to keep the counselor oriented correctly when they're dealing with people and and so i just i just recorded them so there's no commentary there's no uh, but we take several weeks to walk through this here's why you have to you have to keep yourself oriented this way because at the end of the day you can't you you actually can't fix people you can't make them want to do what's right you can't make them do what's right they have to see it they have to want it and and, and so you just got to know your limitations. you got to know your boundaries. you got to know what is your responsibility and what's the responsibility of the counselee. And so we walk through all of that. But I wanted to make sure that we talked about our approach. There's an approach that we want to have when we're dealing with people. And at the end of the day, if we've got a faith-based approach to ministry, we, then we already know that the majority of the problems that people wrestle with, they disappear just in the process of biblical discipleship. And that's your next blank. Other people, they'll have problems, and if they just get plugged into a good Bible-preaching church, that light, will, will, they'll stop stumbling through their life because they'll apply biblical principles. If it's a good, healthy local church, most problems are solved if they're just in church every week. And that was the quote that we looked at um, on day one with my wife. If people just took notes and applied what they were learning from the pulpit, they'd have a blessed life. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, right? We have to come together. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, we're in the last of the last days, uh, and everybody's hiding at home. <laughs> we, need to, we need to be provoked to love and good works. So when we meet with people, we've got to recognize. Uh, most people are, are, are asking for help because they can't take it anymore. They know they need help. And, and just understand, most people aren't thinking about the root issue. They're thinking about the symptoms. They're thinking about the consequences of, of actions. They're not thinking about the actions themselves. And so when you're meeting with them, most do not want to truly solve their problems. They just want a, temp, a temporary or a fast easement of the pain. You know, some solution that will make their life better. They're only interested in treating symptoms and the pain, not cutting out of their life the source of the problem. Okay? They want a band-aid. They don't want surgery. Uh, they don't want. They don't want. They don't want uh, a restoration. They just. They just don't want to hurt. And so, it's important to understand. Um, uh, what's driving people? What's what? What's making them tick? Okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about in terms of attitudes and actions. Okay, because the 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 actions remember what, everything that they do in trying to get back to some Edenic ideal of life, they're doing it with a fallen nature, and and they're just making a mess of their life. And so, so when we're talking about the attitudes, the attitudes that that's what reveals who you are. That reflects where your commitments truly lie. And so Galatians 5 just lays it out brilliantly. Uh, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. We're all, as believers, certainly, we're all, you know, legitimate. We kind of have a multiple personality issue that we're working with. you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, now watch this, what's coming out of the person, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, in case we didn't cover all the nasty stuff, and such like, things like that, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the lost people who live like that. This isn't how believers should roll. But the problem is what's in them. We're, what, what are we seeing? We're seeing, the, we're seeing what's in them coming out of them. And they're living like people who don't inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, goodness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Again, what is in them is what's coming out of them. And they that, have, that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, here it is, verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, let's treat each other the way we know Christ is watching and expecting us to treat each other. Uh, there's vainglory, provocation, envy. Watch out, your old man is showing. What's in you is coming out of you. Proverbs 4.23 says, and this is good counsel, keep thy heart with all diligence, Why? for out of it are the issues of life. And remember, the old man has a heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, And desperately wicked, who can know it? See, you end up being what you think. Right? As you think in your heart, you end up being what you think. And so get this down in your notes. Attitudes are a result of our way of thinking. Why? Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is why you'll hear people say this all the time. Who you are is really who you are on the inside. As you think in your heart, that's who you are. And you know how you think in Atlanta traffic. Careful, your old man show it. All right. What comes out of him? Uh, let's see, uncleanness, lasciviousness, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, you know, such like. Aren't they shooting people on the interstate now in Atlanta? old man, you know. Okay, so what I think that's going to inform what I do. So let's talk about actions. Actions are a byproduct of our attitudes. The action is the result of the attitude. You know, if I've got an issue with Joe and I'm grinding an axe against him in my heart, whenever I meet with him or whenever I'm meeting without him, I'm not edifying him, I'm not building him up. What am I doing? Well, I'm taking a chunk out of Joe because he had it coming. Right, actions are a byproduct of my attitudes. If I, if I, in my heart, hate Joe, well, then I don't know how it just happened. Somehow, what I'm doing is 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 destroying Joe. <laughs> it's my attitude. So the action is the result of the attitude. It's a response or act that we commit based on what we think about something. So if a guy's filling his mind with porno- pornography, well, no wonder he's going to commit fornication. Uh, he was just—he was just dreaming about the day he could pull it off. So get this down: the action is actually the symptom; it's not the root cause, right? You did what—that's not the problem. It was what in the heart that caused him to do whatever he did. You see that? Uh, Manly Beasley. How many remember Manly Beasley? Did anybody get get some exposure to that? He's just—he would come. to to KCBT back in the day, and he had this illustration, and it's just been used so often because it's so brilliant. He asked the church, he says, what do you get when you squeeze a lemon? And of course the whole church said, lemon juice, that's what you get. He's like, "Eh, not so fast, not necessarily. And his whole point is, is when you squeeze it, what you get is whatever's on the inside of it. What if somebody put poison in that lemon? Do you get lemon juice? Well, yeah, but you also get a lot of death. What if there was some rot in that lemon juice and you squeeze it? It's not lemon juice that comes out. It's rot. No, you get whatever's on the inside of that lemon. That's what you get. And so when you squeeze a Christian, ideally what squirts out is the Word of God. Right? That's what we want. And doesn't life squeeze us? Doesn't our marriage squeeze us? Don't our kids squeeze us? (laughs) There's... Plenty of sources for conflict that can produce strive, striving and endeavoring. Right, when we're squeezed, what should come out? Well, the Word of God ought to. Po- whatever's on the inside is going to come out. God help it to be the Word of God. See, we form thought patterns, and a believer is going to—he's going to develop certain thought patterns about the Word of God, and whether he's receiving it or rejecting it, that's going to reflect in his attitudes. Okay, so how I think, that's going to be how I roll in my heart. And then whenever life unfolds, I'm going to respond in kind. And so here's the application, right? Unbelievers, how are they going to act? How are they going to live? Well, they're going to act and live like unbelievers because the mind of Christ is not in them. That's not informing their thinking. And so they don't have the heart of God. So they're going to live like the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what's going to be manifest in their life. Now, they feel badly about the wrong things that they do, but they can't do anything else. I mean, they can't change that until they have a change in the way that they think. There has to be a change in the thought patterns. Their attitudes have to change. In other words, when does a thief stop being a thief? When does he stop stealing? When does he stop being a thief? Well, I'll tell you when. When 2 Corinthians 5.15 is a reality in his life. Right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. No, in the flesh, that's who I was. I'm a thief. I'm mortifying flesh. For me to live now is Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So this is really what we're dealing with now. It's all about changing attitudes, isn't it? Because we want what's coming out of their life to be good, not destructive. So I got I to, gotta, when I'm counseling people, it's all about Changing their attitude, their base setting in terms of the way that they think. So we know the answer to that. You have to go to the final authority of God's word. We need the mind of Christ. The key to a renewed mind, a changed set of attitudes, is the final authority of God's word. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. I have to recognize I don't know how to think right. I think like the first Adam. That's how I think. My logic is flawed. So it doesn't matter what I think, and I'm really sorry. It doesn't actually matter what you think. The only opinion that matters is God's, amen? We desperate. I don't have to be right. And you don't have to be right, but someone is. And we'll both be blessed if we just submit. All right. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 2.16, Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. Yeah, but you don't understand, God. This is it. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. You got Christians lecturing the Lord all the time, don't you? Not so, Lord. <laughs> Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, so what there has to be then is a willing mind, right? There has to be a willing to change. We got to, I, I know I'm not thinking right. I know I don't view the world right. I need... I need I need to download a new program, <laughs> so I have to be willing to put the I got to be willing to put the USB drive of God's Word in my brain port or my heart port. If there first be a willing mind, 2 Corinthians eight twelve, it is accepting according to that a man hath, and not according to that they hath not. You get that place that heart attitude of a little child. God help me, because I don't know how to think, and I know you do. So hook a brother up. <laughs> okay, God says I can work with that. Then next, right, the next step is to cast down everything in his mind that he has learned that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the mind of Christ. And here's a key verse for counseling. 2 Corinthians 10, the weapon of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Now you got a way that you think that doesn't mean it's true. So here's, and, and, and so now we're getting into it. <clears throat> I did this because X, Y, Z happened to me. This is typically what we hear, right? So I, and effectively what they're saying is, so I went away that was right in my own eyes. And I'm really upset that the end thereof was death. You know, my wife hates me now. My kids said, Dad, go to hell. And they jumped in their Trans Am and they burned, well, that's what they did back in the 70s and 80s. You know, jumped in their Trans Am and burned rubber for 100 yards and you know, I don't I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened, Dad. You are what happened. Ah, you just can't reason with that kid. Oh, he didn't like being harangued for the last eighteen years. Chewed up and down all the time. He just got tired of feeling like he was a stupid idiot that couldn't do anything right his entire life. Oh yeah, he's so unreasonable. <laughs> you know? like, How did that happen? See there's a mind, there's a there's a there's a way of thinking that doesn't match the mind of Christ. Yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, this was unreasonable and this happened to me, and they did this and they did that, and 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 so I went away. That's right in my do you see the disparity? See, this is what we're doing as counselors. God's word says, and here's the data set, we call it data set A. God's word says, and we're gonna describe data set A from scripture, but what you're saying is. And you're seeing it, and for you it's reality, but God's saying something different. Do you see the disparity? God's over here, but you're over here saying it's not fair. And a little bit of humility and repentance, what you could do is you could step into column A and start running by that paradigm. Now, you're seeing it, and you're swearing up and down that this is real and it's not fair, and so you had to do what you had to do, but that is a vain imagination. You need to cast that down, every high thing that exalteth itself against what the Word of God says should be true over your life, the knowledge of God, you need to bring that false thinking back into captivity, right? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There has to come a place in my life where I recognize I don't know how to think right. I need the mind of Christ. I need to relearn how to think. I need to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then I have to be willing to act on what I'm thinking. Do you see that? My thought and the abundance of my heart, right? That's what I am. So now I, I, I see it so I can live it. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is key. You know, it's the movie Tommy, Tommy Boy. Did everybody see that, Tommy Boy? And they're gonna save the brake company and, and, he, and he has the debacle on the airplane. And he's trying to get ready for this big meeting with Dan Aykroyd because he can buy all the parts and save the count town and whatever. Okay. And he's like, uh, You went a little heavy on the pine cone air freshener, didn't you? Because he's in there, he's trying to get the toilet smell off of his clothes. He's running this this uh, car air freshener all over his body. And he's like, Yeah, you know, he's like, and, and and I don't remember the exact quote, but Dan, Ay- Dan Aykroyd's point was, as Well, now you know what's wrong, you can fix it, right? You don't actually want to roll through life. With an air, a car, pine cone air freshener. <laughs> now that you know what the problem is, you can fix that. Okay, so I have to be ready, right? If I'm going to have revenge on anything, it's going to be on the way I used to think and roll. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And then you see that in 2 Corinthians 7. What vehemence. It's all about Living. Out the mind of Christ, and then finally, he's got to discipline his mind, bring every thought to obedience to Christ. You know, you don't just eat whatever you want to eat, wherever, whenever you want to eat it, and think you're going to live to ninety. It doesn't work that way. So you can't think whatever you want to think, whenever, wherever you want to think it, and think that that's going to result in you living your best life now. (laughs) Uh, It just doesn't work that way. You got to make God's opinions your opinions. And and it's hard because you have to humble yourself to do that. But then once you do that, there's so much liberty. I don't, have to, I don't have to be right. God's right. And I just want to be with God. That's freedom, y'all. And that's joy. And then you get a peace that passes all understanding. It is the path to victory. Ephesians 4.22. What's the goal? You know, once we see the objective, every member being conformed to the image of Christ, well, then we don't want to live like the children of wrath or the, children, or the people who do not inherit the kingdom of God. So we put off wrong ways of living, Ephesians 4:22 and 23. We put those off, and then we're renewed in the spirit, and the text says, "Of your mind, right? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So when I meet with people, when you meet with people, what are you doing? It's all about renewing their mind. They need to learn how to think because then their attitudes will change. And then when life happens to them, when life squeezes them, the reaction is going to squirt the word of God out of their life, not the old man, <laughs> right? Uh, so 2 Timothy 2, here's, a, here's, here's how we roll as counselors. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Well, I'm a striver. Well, then you're not a good servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive. If you're going to help people with their problems, you're not going to, you're not going to do it by fighting with them. Okay? If I'm fighting with you, we're not having a conversation. right? We're not actually trying to get somewhere. What we're doing is we're defending our positions. Do you see the difference? So if I'm fighting with you, your flight or fight mechanism, you're reacting and I'm not getting anywhere with you. What I'm doing is I'm talking at you. I'm gonna I'm gonna debate with you and I'm gonna put you in your place. Uh but but I, I run a very small chance of actually seeing you change, right? That goes down. So I don't I don't strike. Well, what do I do? But be gentle unto who? Well, I just respond to people the way they the way they present themselves. And if they're angry, harsh. You know, i got this problem in my life, and and they're angry about how they, well, I just respond in kind. Well, you'll get the fruit of that. Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Now again, I get it. If somebody doesn't want to learn, you can't teach them. But you have the ability to provoke people to wrath. It's part of your gifting. (laughs) This is why the Bible commands fathers not to provoke their children unto wrath. So I need to be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And I've got, I, I want to give them the right data set. I want, them, I want them to see how to bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. They, they, they need to know what the knowledge of Christ is so they can submit to it. So in meekness, we instruct God's people. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure. We're hoping against hope that the light will click on. If, per adventure, God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Okay, so how long does that take? Well, the Bible tells you to be patient. It might take a few meetings. See, a lot of people, they'll tell tell you what their problem is, and you tell them what the Bible says, and it's like, well, I told them. Well, okay, good. If they understood it, then you're done, because that's the next line that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The only person that can pull themselves out of that wrong way of living into a right way of living is them. Satan's not going to give up. You know what, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> That's not going to happen. They have to walk. they got to join the walk-away movement. You know? I mean, they have to do it. Okay, so you can, you can say you told them what was true, but if they don't actually understand, they may be even nodding their head they may even be but if they don't actually see how it applies to their life they're not going to be able to walk in that truth so i i have to meet with people until the point where i'm convinced and i've got peace from the holy spirit that they understand they know and now it's up to them do you see that and then once they see it now it's their responsibility that they may recover themselves. Once they understand God's holding them accountable to obey, they're responsible for the truth that they have. The light that they have, they have to respond to it. Counsel's been given, but make sure sure you take that time. Application, encouragement, mentorship, all of these take time. And it may take a long time to meet with people before they'll actually really start getting real with you and tell tell you what's really going on in their life, how they think. What their justifications are, what their reasons are for why they're doing what they're doing. Um, come let us reason together. Come on, let's talk. And if your heart is yearning on them, you know, if people think they're being attacked, they're gonna they're gonna shut you off. But when they see that you desperately love them because you desperately want them, and I want you. When I'm meeting somebody, with all you know, I have to be careful because I'll switch into dad mode. Too quick or something, but you know, there's so many people that I just want to say to them: All I want is for you to be a mighty man of God. All I want is for you to be a mighty woman of God. I want that. To, I, I just want you to do well and look at what's going on in your life. I can't want it for you. <laughs> you have to want it. You know, you're deciding what kind of man or woman you're going to be. Now you'll get to that place because once people see that you want their heart it's almost not fair. When when people know that you love them and you want their heart, they're just looking for someone to give it to. <laughs> You'll have their heart, you know, especially if they know they can trust you with it. You'll have their heart. And um and then they want to know what you think. They want to understand what you understand, right? You've got access now. And that just that takes time. But once they understand they're responsible. So when you're meeting with people, you want to encourage people. Uh, even if they don't understand, you want to encourage them. Hey, God's at work. You want them to keep going because it's per adventure. If I can keep you moving forward, even if for every, every step forward, you take three steps backward. If you just keep it taking that one step forward, I, I can work with you. You know, if you bull up and walk away, I can't work with that. Um, if, you won't, if you won't let me have your heart and, and actually open up and, and start talking about what's going on, well, then I don't know how to address that. So it, it, be patient. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. You're going to eventually have that counselee that you're going to have to meet with 50 times before the light clicks on. Be not weary in well-doing. And then it goes on it says, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. That's a good counseling verse. No, okay, so Let's talk about that. Um, The next verse says, "Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Uh, That word admonish is an active tense imperative. It means it's continuing. So, brother, we're not in fellowship. Man, this is a mess. But I'm not done with you. I love you. You're my brother. So help me, God. I'm not giving up on you. So even, even in church discipline, you know, there's a, there's a counseling component to that, isn't there? Admonish him. You're admonishing him as a brother uh, because I can't lose you. Uh, you're not in fellowship with us till there's some repentance, but I want to make sure you see why you want to repent. And maybe they need space, right? Maybe you've got physical brothers that need space from, from the family. Does that mean you don't want them back? No, not at all. Okay, so in the last little bit that we have together, I told you that we're we're uh trusting the Lord to formalize our counseling ministry at MBT. And so what this is in today's notes, did did you guys get today's handout? Okay, so this is just a suggested starting, you know, starting approach to, to a counseling ministry. I because I mean we all do counseling. Um our uh, our pastors are all very busy counseling. Our leaders are all very busy counseling. But we want to formalize the structure, and so this is this is what we're trusting the Lord to do at MBT, and and you guys can can look at it, and and uh, the Lord bless you and give you wisdom and direct you and and uh, and see how how He'd have you to move forward. But you know, remember the mosaic leadership structure that we looked at on day one, right? Moses' father-in-law is saying what you need to do is stop trying to be the answer for every problem in your church. What you want to do is be don't, 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 don't be distracted from the ministry of word and prayer because you're solving all the problems. Uh, you lift up the people to God and you make sure that the word of God is communicated to the people. So tactically what are we looking at? We're looking at the pastoral ministry to multiply. Moreover, Exodus 18:21, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, and then look at the qualifications such as fear God, men of truth. They're, they they know the Bible, they're competent to counsel. Men of truth, hating covetousness, all they want is the good for the people. This is not an end to a personal uh this is not a a means to a, a personal end. They hate covetousness and place such over them. Verse 22, let them judge the people at all seasons, and then they take the hard counseling cases to you. Be a counselor to counselors. Leave it at that. Okay, That's what, that's what, that's what Father-in-law is saying. And so he did that, and this multiplied his effectiveness in ministry. So we need, we need biblical counseling ministry in our churches, uh, whether informal or formal. Uh, because this is what the Bible instructs. This is, what ch- this is the description of a healthy local church. In Romans 15, what's the command? I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you're also full of goodness, filled with knowledge. You know the Bible, so you're able to admonish one another. right? You're able to counsel one another. We well, can't do it if you're not full of goodness and you don't know your Bible. So every member of minister, this is why you got to go to Bible school and, and, and learn your Bible cover to cover so that you can admonish one another. Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.16, we need to know the word of God, Genesis to Revelation. It needs to dwell in us richly in all wisdom. Why? So that we can counsel. Teaching. And admonishing, there it is again, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, this word, admonishing, um, the Greek word is transliterated into what's called another name for biblical counseling would be pneumatic counseling, and it's what is translated into this English word, admonish. It's admonishing, you know. Hey, here's what the Bible says. This is why you need to be filled with all knowledge. You need, to, you need to know the word of God. It's got to dwell in you richly because you have an admonishing responsibility. Because we all have to be. Peter says, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I am going to put you in remembrance. You may already know it, but I'm going to keep telling you. What's he doing? He's admonishing because we all need that. We, all, we, we, we need to counsel one another. So how do we do it? Again, we're not fighting with people. We're gentle to all men. We're patient because we've got to teach them, and we've got to teach them until they understand it. We're in meekness, we're instructing those that oppose themselves. They're their own worst enemy. They could walk away, but they don't know how. We're trusting for them to come to the acknowledging of the truth so they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So, so in terms of the qualifications, so every member, biblically, we can trust God that they can be trained. They can minister. They can come to the place where they're competent to counsel. But the people that have problems, who do you point them to in your church? Well, okay, so so there's a there's a counseling ministry, everybody understands what's happening, right? There, I think Exodus eighteen, Acts chapter six lays out a great vision for that structure. But the people that you're pointing the herding to, those that are competent to counsel, okay, they they've taken some training. You know, they understand the, the, the philosophy, they understand the approach. They've had some experience in counseling with you, right? You've worked through, they, you, you, you've teamed up counseling people with them so you know that they have good judgment. Uh, they meet those qualifications that we see in, you know, it'd be the qualifications of a deacon, really, is what we're talking about in Acts 6 and Exodus 18. Uh, they, uh, they know their Bible, but they also have a reputation in the church that they live the Bible. Uh, they also have a reputation of discernment, right? They 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 give good counsel. They're able to see what problems are. And give. That's that's who you're looking to promote over the people uh, as a resource for the people. Um, we uh, we. Uh, so we we've got a counseling class in our training. Troy, Pastor Troy, helped develop that for the Living Faith Bible School. Uh, the first time we taught it, he taught it with me, and um, had a it eye opening, you know, for our for our people. Um, so that's a great resource for you. Uh, this this uh, spring, Pastor Briscoe is doing a lab for our. We're actually doing a trial run at MBT. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna work through um, biblical counseling, and it's gonna be putting some very gifted counselors in remembrance. But it's also gonna be coaching our people as counselors. And so we're, that's over what two or three months? You're doing that with, uh, huh? Two months? Two months? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're looking though for people that are gonna be able to be patient. What we're seeing in Second Timothy 2, right? They're 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 gonna be they've got a They've got a compassionate heart to sit with people who are in distress and to, and to keep talking with them, not at them, till we get them to the place of acknowledging the truth, right? So you're looking for that type of person. Now, when you're meeting with people, if it's a, if it's a formalized counseling structure, these are the things that we're talking about at MBT. It's very critical that when people come in for counseling, they don't think they're coming into a traditional, psychologic, psychological, uh, psychiatric, psychological, clinical setting. That's not what we do here. We do biblical counseling, so it's different. Okay? So it's very important if we're, if, we're, if we're forward-facing to the community saying we have a counseling ministry, it's critical that the people coming in understand that we're not doing what they're used to. But if you're tired of that and you want to find out what God says about all your problems, well, we'll tell you what the Bible says. And this is how biblical counseling works. <laughs> Right, and we'll just tell you what the Bible says. And so there needs to be clear communication on what biblical counseling is and what it is not. They need to know that up front and they need to count the cost of that up front before we meet. Because otherwise they're just gonna be frustrated. I thought, you know, I could give you some money and you'd have to, you know, I could hold you hostage for a hundred minutes uh twice a month. <laughs> you just have to listen to me. No, eh, yeah, that's not how this works. We don't, you know, we we don't do that here. That's, that's not how this works. Uh, we have to talk. We have to talk about what's really going on, and and then we have to find out what God says about what's really going on, and then you have to make a decision. That's how this works, you know. Uh, so we're thinking we're going to have prospective counselees actually sign a counseling agreement on the. Now again, it's going to start in house, but but and we'll practice there. But at some point, we're trusting the Lord to have a forward facing counseling ministry that the community can interface with and 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 we're going to trust God to use that to win souls and make disciples and train and equip leaders and oh by the way they'll have a new way of living <laughs> yeah. and uh it'll it'll solve a lot of problems um so you know if you're going to if you're going to do counseling with us uh, it's biblical counseling and so you, there's a structure that this works in so we're going to need you to start coming to church and if you're not going to attend with us, uh, I don't know how much we can help. In other words, you're going to agree to a few things up front because this is how what we do works, and it does work. Um, you know, maybe we can have some videos at some point of people giving testimony about how biblical counseling works. Pastor Best has a great one. You know, he and Christine, their marriage was failing, and, and they went into KCBT for, for counseling. They thought they didn't know what to do, they tried biblical counseling. They met with a biblical counselor one time. One time, now remember, their marriage is on the rocks, and this pastor just looked at them and said, "You know, yeah, you guys really don't know what it means to be a Christian. Let's start there. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna work on your marriage, but in order to be able to do that, you actually kind of need to understand the background for what we're gonna be talking about. So I want you to go through this biblical discipleship program first. We're gonna pre-soak you with that. Now, don't worry, we're gonna get if you're if you'll commit to hanging in there, we're gonna get this solved, man." They never met again. By the time they were halfway through discipleship, they loved each other. They were they had the same mind, the same mission, the same vision. Uh their marriage was exciting. They're, you know, I mean, they didn't need that anymore. Yeah. Biblical counseling works. The lost must be saved and the saved must be sanctified. There we go. That's it. So for those that show up and engage, this is going to work for them. So that's all got to be up front. So they're going to sign a consent form on the forward-facing side. Um, You need to have a conversation with your insurance provider because it's inevitable. There's going to be a counselee. It will not go well. Uh, so make sure your insurance agent is happy with what you're doing and satisfied. You bought the writer uh, on your insurance policy. Um, there's lots of ways to process people into counseling. Uh, in our services, we're talking about uh, adopting the, the the response cards in the pews, so that people can request uh, to meet with a counselor a biblical counselor. Uh, we need. We're recognizing that we're going to have to make it. Uh, We've got to be careful if we make it too simple for people to request counseling. If they're not counting the cost of biblical counseling up front, um, we could end up wasting our volunteers' time. Uh, so we got We're we're working through that. Uh, again, they need to be informed of what biblical counseling is and is not. And in the act of signing up for that, they're submitting to that structure. Right? They've counted the cost up front. Uh they're gonna help me figure out why my life is falling apart and they're gonna tell me what the Bible says and and uh and, and help me to, to to start thinking and living and doing that. Um There could be sign-ups during your service times. You could adapt your phone tree for your church uh, for counseling issues, counseling emergencies, or whatever press, you know, so your phone tree could be adapted. And then you got to triage people. So um, our, our, we know our number one way of triaging people is going to be at the end of our Sunday and Tuesday services. And there are going to be exceptions to that, and we want to be reasonable, but 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 that's where we want to trust the Lord to do a lot of our of our triaging of problems, so if somebody, even on the forward-facing side, because of how it works, we want to invite you to come to a service, and after the service, we'll have you meet with our counseling team, and we're going to put together a plan in terms of how to help you. Um, so, so there's things like that that you got to think about, because at the end of the day, you're going to, especially if they're a believer, okay, so a lost person's not going to understand stand this, but a believer, if they're not willing to submit to God's structure, how are they going to live God's life? I mean... Talk about peeing up a rope. You know that never works, right? And I don't know who the guy was that thought that that was good logic. I don't even know how it became a phrase in the English language. But what a frustrating, what a frustrating way to try to get stuff done. I mean, peeing up a rope. But you know, people do it. I guess it doesn't have to make sense, Joe. I don't know. It's just what people do. Um, we're talking about, you know, once our team is established and the ministry structured, maybe there's a counseling night for extra accountability and backup and support. Uh, I have a guy who, who was trained uh, in the, you know, he went to, a, he went to a, a, a Christian school to get a counseling degree and was introduced to an integrationist mindset. He went through the biblical counseling material with us. Uh, he is now bought into biblical counseling, and he is gifted in all of these ways. And so, what an incredible, tremendous resource we've got! Kids in our church—they're getting, count- you know, they come in they're from colleges where they're getting counseling degrees, and and so we're like, we've got to shoot that <laughs> we can. We want we want to be their finishing school, <laughs> and convert them to biblical counseling. Um, but. Um, He's got a lot of great ideas. He's a he's an incredible man of God. And so one of the things that he's talking about is could we have a counseling night where two times a month uh we can set the bulk of our appointments there so that there's backup and support. We could have some pastors on call to back up and support. You know, I'm thinking, well, I could prepare for Sunday on a on a Thursday night and my and be available for, you know, I mean so there's there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. Um it's recommended that there are cameras or there's some kind of recording. If it's a recording, uh, which, it, you know, especially if you've got an outward-facing counseling ministry, so the lost are coming in, uh, there should be accountability. There should be a recording. If it does go south, the counselor needs to be able to say what happened, so they need to have a record of that. But even more than that, you guys know what happens. People go into council with the pastor, and the next thing you know, they're having an affair Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to have the counseling that happens on property that's going to take place in a room that has a camera. There will not be any sound, but it'll be obvious that what's happening there is appropriate. It's biblical counseling. Um, The counselor is not making moves on someone who is destroyed and vulnerable. And uh, we're not going to have predators in our counseling ministry. So those are the things that you need to think about. Um, these are just things we're trusting the Lord on. We're praying about. We don't know how it's going to ultimately end up happening because it hasn't happened yet, you know. But, but this is what we're trusting the Lord for. Uh, in terms of avenues of biblical counseling, we've talked about this, but the pulpit, this is a massive engine for counseling. You know, our preaching ought to apply to people's lives. The Bible studies. Man, if I can get somebody in and, and lead them to Christ and plug them into a Bible study group. Now they've got people that are on fire for the Lord, and these are becoming their friends. Birds of a feather will flock with some people that are on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what will happen? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. That's how it is with God's love. Once you experience it. You got to pass it on. I mean, that's what happens. So, like... I get them plugged into that, that Bible study. They've got new friends that are on fire for the Lord, and uh, man, they just start flocking right, you know? It's good. Uh, get in a Sunday group, you know, Sunday fellowship. Get, get, get plugged into discipleship. Now you've got a mentor, somebody that's just showing you how to know your Bible and how to know the God of the Bible. So these are all really, that, that, that structure of the local church, man, no, no treatment center can compare in terms of the quality, the caliber, the effectiveness of a local church structure. It's, it's just awesome. Okay, so, and then, you know, we'll have people that will, we're, we already know, people are already specializing in areas of counsel and help. Um, we've got a premarital counseling team at MBT. Um, but then we're going to, you know, trust the Lord for some of them to grow and be specialized. You know, there can be areas of specialization, and I, I don't see anything personally wrong with that. Now, you need to know your whole Bible so you can respond to the whole of the issues that come up in people's lives, but, but it's good to have people that, that drill down. And so these are just some of the areas that we're praying over and talking about because these are the needs that we're seeing. So addiction, recovery, uh, trauma response, uh, your life came apart, um, family counseling, conflict resolution, people get sideways with each other, and they need a referee, um, bipolarism. I mean, what's going on there, you know? Um, so premarital counseling, sexual issues, uh, people need, people, they, they, they end up disassociating, you know, they, they, they don't even know how to view themselves, and so they need some healthy self-confrontation. Financial counseling is huge. Uh, that is an ongoing need in the church. And so those are just some of the areas that, that, that we know that we have to address at MBT. But um, I don't know, you, you you may look at that and say, uh, man, there's a big hole in that or you're missing that or or as you pray about what you want to do in your local churches uh, and you get insight, don't hog it. <laughs> Make sure that there's a feedback loop that, that you hook a brother up, right? Man, I love you guys. I'm so grateful to God for you. Um, God's going to use this little group to rock the nations for his glory. Because we got a book and a God of the book that knows what he's doing, you know? Amen. Father bless my brothers and sisters, be glorified. We love you. We We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.